0: all, preach from the Word of God, should make its way to the cross. I believe it was Spurgeon that said, make a beeline to it. Billy Graham said, when you preach, you can't go wrong if you just preach Scripture. And I praise the Lord for the opportunity that we have this morning, uh, waking up on this time change Sunday. At least tonight at 5.30, we won't be tired, feel like we've got to go to bed. But it messes uh, completely backwards, doesn't it? So uh, thank you for being here today, and thank you for your prayers for the Bowman family. That service will be here tomorrow at 1 o'clock, visitation 11 to 1. So pray for uh, Jerry and David and Tony. M- many of you probably remember David. He was very active here for a number of years. Uh, pray for them and the loss of Brenda. You know, Brenda wasn't able to come to church for years, but she always continued to pray and love the church. And, uh, and I pray for them in their time of great loss. Have you ever heard someone say, it's just another day? It's just another day. Or something like this. Men are good at this one. How, how are you doing? Same old, same old. What does that mean? Same old, same old. Or, or, or something like this. This is one that really gets me how you doing? I'll use Don down here. Don and I have already been into it this morning. I said, I want you and Bev to get right down here in your seats, and this is where you belong. And Don says, well, I haven't haven't been sleeping too good. He's referring to my preaching is what he's referring to. Don, this is the one that gets me. You ready? Don, how you doing? Living the dream. Most of the time when people say live in the dream, it's almost as if they are sarcastically talking about life. Living a dream. Waking up hitting the clock, feeding the cows, doing the same thing. Oh, oh, it'd be like it'd be like you at the gas pump right now. How you doing over there? Living a the dream. Man, this is a nightmare. Wake me up. Well, I can assure you that there is a day coming that's not just another day. And the Bible talks about judgment. It talks about judgment in the life of the unbeliever. The great white throne judgment, listen to me, means that if you die without Jesus Christ, you will stand before God as your eternal judge. But the Bible also says, as a believer, our works will be judged. Today, as we conclude 2 Peter, we're going to look at verses 10 down, and we're going to talk about the day of the Lord. And the Bible says, in verse 10, that the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. In Scripture, most of the time, the day of the Lord will refer to the judgment of God. The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, how should you live? What manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness. Hey, didn't you love singing holy, holy, holy? I told Marcia for a long time, I, I can remember that being one of the first few hymns in the hymnal. Holy, holy, holy. Verse 12, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we According to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Now, I want you to mark your Bible and I want you to go with me to Revelation 21, verse 1. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also, there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God and God will wipe away every tear from their eye. There should be no more death. Anybody wanna say amen? No sorrow, amen? Nor crying. There shall be no more pain for the former things have passed away. It's just not another day. The day of the Lord when divine intervention takes place here on earth. You know the Bible has a lot to say about this phrase. For instance in Acts chapter 2, verse 20, the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. How will it come? Peter helps us recognize its timing. Verse 10, the second part. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. I had a dream this week that was as real as you all sitting here. I dreamed that I stepped outside of the lobby, outside of the glass doors during a a normal working day and we were helping somebody uh, with benevolence. And for some reason, I had my personal billfold out and was handing them something and a big red brand new Chevy pickup pulled in, in, whipped in. I mean, it was like one of the, the, the new ones. And I thought it was somebody just stopping to say hello. Folks, this is as real as you sitting here this morning. And when I approached the truck, the window came down, I said, can I help you? And somebody took a shotgun out and pointed it at me. You say, Brother Greg, you've been drinking too much Coke Zero. I tell you, folks, it was almost as if I was, I was living that dream. It was the kind where you wake up and you say, Okay, well, good, I'm not at church, and there's nobody pointing a gun at me. And, and, I, and I recognized for a split moment, I said, I'm not giving you my billfold. You're going to have to shoot me. Huddle in. That's not advice I give you this morning. Because you're rolling the dice whether or not that guy's crazy enough to do it. I'm telling you, there are people in this room this morning that are rolling their dice when it comes to eternity. You'll say, well, Brother Greg, we're looking at judgment. Yeah, all things are becoming new. New heaven and a new earth. The Bible says greater than we can even imagine when it comes to the things of heaven. I can't even process how wonderful heaven will be. But yet God is calling, and he continues to call his children home even in the midst of uncertain times. Tomorrow, we bury Brenda. We received a a notice from my sister yesterday that my boyhood best friend's mom, Linda Zimmerman, has passed away, gone home to be at the Lord. What I remember about Linda, I remember when Chuck, her husband, gave gave his heart to Christ, and he surrendered to the ministry, and he's been the pastor of the Huber Heights Baptist Temple for over 40 years. And God, God has called his precious wife, Linda. God continues to call and people are ready. But listening, if you're here today and you don't know Christ as your savior, you, you're rolling the dice. Because here's what you're thinking and here's what you're saying. I know I'm gonna be alive tomorrow and I'll look for another opportunity. I wish you could have been in First Connection this morning. First Connection is a class we have for folks that are that looking about joining the church. And today we heard their testimonies. And uh, let's see, where's Steve Adams at? Raise your hand, Steve. Steve and Donna. He told all kinds of stories about giving his life to Christ. Listen to this. About wrecking the 1957 Chevrolet, Chevy. He ought to be whipped just for that, Right? but how God spared him and how God spared friends. And then he said, but I know in 1968 is when I gave my heart to Christ. And I'm telling you, folks, when you look at judgment and when you look at the wrath of God, if you're not covered by the blood of Jesus this morning, you're in trouble. And listen, I don't say that to scare you. I say that to help you. Because the word of God says that we're all separated our sin separates us from God. There's none righteous, no, not one. And he came to take our punishment for the sin that I justly deserve. You remember uh, growing up, did anybody ever experience this from one of your parents? This is going to hurt me worse than it hurts you. Let me ask again. Can you remember one of your parents saying that? A lot of times it was the father figure, right? And you're thinking, okay, Dad, if it is, would you just take it for me? Well, with tongue in cheek, that's exactly what Jesus did. He took the payment so that we would not have to stand the judgment against lostness and sin. And I love the fact that when you think about the day of the Lord, it's divine intervention. Because divine intervention was uh, a virgin becoming pregnant with a baby. Divine intervention was that baby entering into this sinful world, listen, and living a perfect life. Anybody perfect in this room today? None of us are. Only by the Grace of God. And our righteousness is in Christ and Christ alone. And when we stand before a holy God, it's that payment that God is pleased with. We use the word propitiation. Jesus was what God had to have to be pleased with the payment for our sin. And if you're grateful for that this morning, say amen. 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 So the Bible says, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. Number one in your outline. The day of the Lord will catch many off guard, will catch many off guard. When you think about being uh, robbed, when you think about standing in front of a truck and somebody's going to rob you, uh, listen, that wasn't what I was expecting. And just as Steve Adams shared his testimony this morning, he said he came into that service in 1968 and he wasn't expecting God to touch his heart. He wasn't expecting God to knock on his heart's door and convict him to the point that he recognized today's the day of his salvation. And the Bible says it will come as a thief in the night. What happens when a thief comes? Most of the time, a thief comes unexpected. I saw a a news clip. Some of you might have those uh, home security systems where you can watch it on your phone. And this news clip this lady was uh, signaled or alarmed that somebody was in her house. And to her amazement, she got on her phone and saw a man in her house going through her things. And somehow she could connect to Alexa in her house, and she said, hello, can I help you? And the man like froze, where's that voice coming from? Where's that voice coming from? And do you know what he did not do? He did not run out of the house. He continued to delay. That's a way a lot of times we are when it comes to the things of God. A thief comes when it is unexpected. Sometimes a thief comes when you're asleep. Sometimes a thief comes when you're away. Now, let me just give all of our social media people a little helpful info Why in the world would you announce to a world that you're away from home? Be careful. Be careful. Why, Brother Greg? Because people are crazy. They'll pull up to your house with a red pickup and a shotgun. You don't know what they're going to do. Be careful. We live in a different day. And and, uh, I I like what David Burton has put into his practice. When he's away from home, he, he reports on it when he gets home. Like a week late. And that way, guess what? You may catch a thief off guard. Amen? You're where you were supposed to be. Now, the Bible talks about last times, the Bible talks about last days. In the New Testament, they were looking for the return of Christ. The charge was get ready, get ready, get ready. But here when we think about the day of the Lord, the Bible says there are gonna be some things that take place. I believe the picture here that Peter is writing, he's writing to believers. I believe the picture here is post-millennium. I believe this is when God's wrapping it all up. You see, we, we often say to a person who does not yet know Jesus, get ready, get ready, get ready. But sadly, many of us as Christians, many of you are not living like you're ready for the return of Christ. You see, it will be a day unlike any other. What will take place as this thief comes in the night? Verse 10, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat, both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. So Peter writes about the destruction of of earth by fire. The Bible says in the Old Testament, in Isaiah 65, verse 17, for behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered or come to mind. I've always always battled in my mind, in heaven, will we know what's happening on earth? And I've told you this, I wrote some preachers back when Jerry Falwell was alive. He was one, I wrote Adrian Rogers. Adrian Rogers said, Uh, Dear Brother Greg, heaven is not heaven based on the fact we know or don't know what's happening on earth. Heaven is heaven because we're with Jesus. And then he said, why would you think we would know less in heaven than we do on earth? Interesting thought, isn't it? Interesting thought. Isaiah says, and the former shall not be remembered or come to mind. Now, let's take that a step further. You know, the Bible says in heaven we won't be married like we are here on earth. Now, before that discourages me uh, in my relationship with Renee, uh, every married couple look at me. I believe our relationship in heaven will be so much better than our relationship on earth that we don't need to spend the rest of our life worrying about that. When the Bible says that our, our mind can't comprehend, we can't see the things which God has before us. I I love the fact that that this promised place of heaven uh, is, is a promise that you and I can lay our head down at night, just as we mentioned to these kids and remind them that it's a place because God loves us. God loves us. You know, the Bible also says in Isaiah 66, for as the new heavens and the new earth, which I will make shall remain before me, says the Lord, so shall your descendants in your name remain, new heaven and a new earth. God has to change it. And I'm here to tell you this morning that God has to change you too. He has to change your life. He has to change my life. And the question would be, has there been a time in your life when you recognize you're a sinner and that you need a Savior, that it all starts to make sense, that Jesus went to a cross to willingly die for me, And if I place my faith in what he did for me, I will be forgiven of my sin and he'll come into my heart to live and one day heaven will be my home. I love the fact, I love the fact that when you think about Jesus, when you think about what he's done in your life, when you think about being saved, that most Christians would stand up and say, I'm telling you, it's a day unlike any other You know, I think this week when the, the announcement was made, hey, baseball's back, it's like big deal. I'm glad that a first-year player who was making almost $600,000 a year can make a little more now and be a level with everybody else on, on NBA and NFL. You know, I'm, I'm glad. We, we understand how that would be hard to live with that kind of income. A day that changed my life. A day that changed my life was when I began to hear the gospel for the first time. And after service after service, I would begin to sense something in my heart. You might be here today and you're young and and when you come to church, you, you sense that God may be talking to you. Sometimes people say that when the Holy Spirit's moving, when the Holy Spirit's speaking to your heart, you feel like you're the only one that he's speaking to. That's the love of God knocking on something that's temporary to remind you that you're eternal. Everybody's going somewhere when they die. And your decision in life is, I choose Christ who loves me, or I deny Christ and I'll follow the devil who lies to me. So what happens? What happens when this thief in the night comes? Uh, what, what What are we reminded of? David Jeremiah says uh, he believes that uh, oftentimes God gets our attention by things that are happening. And some preachers would say, okay, we went through a pandemic and we're on the back end of it, hopefully, amen? And now we're in a watching a war in Ukraine that could easily become World War III in our lifetime. You say, Brother Greg, don't scare me like that, folks. I'm telling you the truth. Ken Tillery and Jay Mabry. We mentioned the the uh, when Ken prayed last time for Ukraine. We mentioned the interpreter they had named Roma, and Roma uh, has been in contact with Ken, and Roma is stationed somewhere around Kiev or Kiev as we know it, and he's helping in ministry feed people. But sadly, he's having to put his wife and his girls. On a train or or some transportation to Germany to get them away from harm, folks. This is real. This is real. Uh, when you watch, uh, when you watch families torn apart, when you watch children walking with their uh, mothers most of, most of mothers now just to survive. We're living in a day, listen, where we have so much focus on the temporary. We need to be praying for the missionaries in that part of the world. We need to be praying. The question was asked to Roma, Roma, how do you feel? How do you feel right now? And his first response was, I'm afraid. I'm afraid. When I think of the temporary and the temporary only, I mean, sometimes temporary things are good, right? temporary driver's license, or scary, you know, knowing that it hopefully will become official. This relationship is just temporary. I'm glad, Renee, when I asked her out the first time, uh, I remember it well at that Casano's Pizza King on North Dixie. It was one of the most romantic setups you've ever seen in your life. I'm glad when I said, hey, uh, Here's what we used to say. We didn't say going out. We used to say, would you like my, would you wear my ring? Oh, you put that, that, that class ring that cost you an arm and a leg on somebody else. What if she had said, yeah, but be reminded this is temporary. Temporary. Some of you love Jesus as long as your life is good. And the first time there's tough times. You drop out of church, you act like God's disappointed you, you get mad at the world. That's not the way to act to somebody who redeemed us and has a relationship that's far beyond temporary, amen? It's eternal. You know, the Bible says no man can pluck you out of the Father's hand. When you come to Christ, he has you and he'll carry you. But the Bible tells us that the day of the Lord is coming. Judgment is coming. The Old Testament told us that. Joel chapter two, blow the trumpet in Zion and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble for the day of the Lord is coming. It's at hand. Amos. That little chapter five that maybe we don't even know much about. The Bible says, woe to you who desire the day of the Lord. Woe to you who desire it. Judgment is coming. Judgment is coming. Zephaniah, late in the Old Testament, the great day of the Lord is what? Near. Near. Now, it's a day of wrath. It's a day of trouble, a day of distress. But as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says that Christ will put all things under his feet. Let me tell you something. Whether you see it today or whether you're wondering, watching the news, King Jesus wins, and every, everybody, every knee shall bow of who he is and what he's done for all of eternity. Chapter 3, the Bible says this time, this that comes as a thief in the night, where the heavens will pass away with a great noise, the elements will melt with fervent heat, both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up, verse 11, therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Okay? Let me make sure you understand that last word. It says godliness Not godlessness. Godliness. Godliness. Christ in you, resulting in a changed life, resulting in a good testimony, a positive word for the Lord wherever you go. Number number three, there should be a consistent connection between what you believe and how you live. Okay, if, if you missed two, let me back up. What we see is temporary. Let's focus on the eternal. That's what the Bible says. Even, even scripture, Paul says, our body is just tent. It's just, it's just temporary dwelling place. Let's focus on beyond the grave. That's why when we leave the cemetery, there's hope. That's why when we leave the cemetery, we recognize that God is, is not through with this body. He'll change it. That's why if I'm alive when Christ comes, he'll change my body and make it fit for heaven. Why? Because the temporary has to recognize the eternal. Paul said, This mortal must put on immortality. Me. This mortal's not ready for heaven. This body has to be changed. The temporary, sometimes clouds are focus. The temporary, sometimes clouds are focus of the eternal, and sometimes maybe because it hurts so much. So he says, What kind of life should we live then? Live a godly life. Number three. Be consistent. Let there be a connection between what you believe and how you live. You'll say, Brother Greg, what do you mean? I mean, what does the world see? What does the world hear? What's the world looking at? How much are we in our Bible? You'll say, it's hard to read. Listen to me, folks. It is hard to read if you're in a hurry. It is hard to read if it's not important to you. Uh. Things are important. The, the roadmap, the Bible is basic instructions before leaving earth. Now, I want to use, uh, maybe you're in our congregation this morning and you're a doctor. And I come into your office and the doctor gets, you know, they've got the folders or, or the laptop. And, and, they, and I walk in and all of a sudden he starts reading me things that aren't me. You know what I would do? I'd back up and I'd say, I think you got a, wait a minute, wait, what, what are you talking about? You just described somebody that's in good shape with no high blood pressure and the cholesterol. That's not me. That would concern me if what they were talking about was not information on me. And I'm telling you, when it comes to the things of God, What people read about your life, the folder that you're carrying should point people that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, that your life has been forever changed. Now, don't get me wrong. We're not saved by how we live, but folks, I'm telling you, we're in a culture that's drifted so far from living for the Lord, the world's confused. The world's confused. How should we live holy? The word there is sacred. It means blameless. Now, I believe a holy life doesn't go around Telling everybody else how holy you are. They see it. They see it. I used to tell Drew, don't don't run around bragging about how good you are. Let others see the difference. Let somebody else speak well of you, not you. Folks, that's flat unattractive. When we spend our life saying, hey, look at me, when our life should say, hey, look at him because I was just a sinner on my way to hell. Jesus saved me. Thank God that there was a preacher who preached the gospel a long time ago, and I'm telling you, the gospel's still pre proclaimed. People are still being saved. The Holy Spirit's still moving. And I guess the question is, when was the last time he spoke to you? Don't live in defeat. Trust God. Live in victory. With God honoring fear. You know, I uh, watching this March Madness stuff all come into play. Yesterday, did anybody watch the Indiana University basketball game? Man, I tell you, my son Kyle is the biggest there is. Everything we like, Kyle don't like. He's an Indiana University basketball fan. I watched that game, and I found myself rooting for IU, and I thought they're, they're going to get into overtime until Bo Hannon from Iowa came down and hit a 50-foot shot that banked in. Game over. I'm counseling Kyle as we speak. (laughs) What are you saying, Brother Greg? The devil would have us to believe that the game's over. Maybe you're here and you've made some mistakes. Got good news for you. God's not finished with you. God's not finished with you. Maybe you're here and you've said, you know, I was in a marriage that didn't work or maybe more than one. God's not finished with you. Give him a chance. Give him an opportunity. Maybe you've been hurt so bad you've said, I'll never trust anybody again or I'll never forgive them for what they've done. I, I'm sorry you've gone through that. Let God help you live your life. Let God help you live your life. Don't live in defeat. Live in victory. And live in victory with, with godly fear and godly reverence. We live in a day where you talk about being a Christian and people don't care. You live in a day when you share with somebody tomorrow at work that you're in church, they'll say, well, good for you, big deal. But I'm telling you, you cannot argue with a changed life. When God gets a hold of you and a person's desire is to live for Jesus, a person's desire is to act like Jesus. You know, years ago, everybody had a bracelet, right? What would Jesus do? And the good news is, he's still in the life-changing business. Let there be a connection between what you believe and how you live. Number four, only righteousness will dwell with the Lord forever. What does that mean? Only righteousness. Heaven is a perfect place. Well, Brother Greg, you're talking about Christians going to heaven. Are Christians perfect? Only in Christ, in the blood of Jesus. It's the blood of Jesus that's our righteousness it's Christ. So when we're in heaven, folks, God made it absolutely crystal clear that the only reason you're in heaven is because of his love and what he did at Calvary for you and me. No one's going to be in heaven talking about how good they are. We're all going to be in heaven praising the Lord for being so good to us. Amen? That's the good news. That's the good news of the morning. The Bible says in Romans, there's none righteous, no, not one. There's no, none righteous, no, not one. So what are some things then, if we're, to, if we're to live a holy life, if we're to please God, what are some things that, that maybe would help us? Uh, here, here are a few of them. Recognize that God is long-suffering. Look at verse 15. And consider, let's start at 14. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace without spot, and blameless, and consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. What, what do you mean, Peter? That God's long-suffering is giving people an opportunity. Look at verse 9 again in chapter 3. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to Repentance. God's at work. God's at work. Blackaby says he's at work whether you can see it or not. God is at work. He's working to save more. He's working to include more into heaven that have heard the gospel and maybe have held out knowing that God is dealing with you. I believe the Holy Spirit, that God does the saving, folks, but I also believe in the responsibility to yield to it. What are you saying, Brother Greg? I don't believe God will take you to heaven just because of who you are. You've got to be one of his children. You've got to recognize his love for you. You have to recognize that the cross was for you. Even in this passage, when you get down to verse 15, he refers to Paul, as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you. Do you know what Paul's writing was about? Sometimes him and Peter would buck heads. Paul wrote about grace. Saved by grace through faith. It doesn't surprise me that that Peter would be the kind of guy uh, who would want to work for the Lord with intensity. I mean, Peter was the one who said, I'll never do that, I'll never do that, I'll never do that. Drew his sword in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus heals the soldier who had his ear cut off and said, that's not the way we're going to win this. You know what he was saying? They're not taking me to the cross, I'm going to it. It's, it's what has to take place. Here's what Paul writes, as Peter refers to him, Romans eight nineteen. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits, eagerly waits. 1 Corinthians 15. Then comes the end, verse 24, when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father, when he puts an end to all rule and all authority and power. And then even Paul writes to the church of Thessalonica, 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 15, For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. 2 Thessalonians 1.10 And when he comes in that day, to be glorified in the saints and be admired among all those who believe because our testimony among you was believed. So today we come together and we celebrate on Sunday the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have so much to be thankful for, do we not? We've got so much to be thankful for. And we are, we are living in, in some unprecedented times. If my faith were based on the news cycle, I would be afraid this morning. But I'm going to place my faith, listen to me, this is for everybody here who's worrying. I will place my faith in the one who controls everything. Even laying my head down at night. Sometimes, sometimes you can't sleep because you're worried. Sometimes you can't sleep because you're stressed out about something. Sometimes you can't sleep because it's a medical issue. But I'm telling you, we can lie down in peace, as I believe Psalms 4.8 says, and we can trust the one who's in charge and recognize that he will take care of us even in the midst of the uncertain. Verse 16, as also in all of his apostles, or epistles who, Paul, Speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction. So, Peter brings it back to the false teaching and false leadership that's twisting the message of truth. He says, You know the truth, now be responsible. What do you want me to do, Peter? What do you want me to do? He concludes this way, verse 17. You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. Grow. Grow in what? Grow in grace and knowledge. Now here's a problem, and we're about done. The problem is sometimes we grow in knowledge but we never grow in grace. And I ask you a question as we close. Number five, what would your life look like if you began to grow in Christ? Or Christian, maybe ask it this way, what would your life look like if you began to grow again? You know, I, as we get closer and as we get into March here, Things are starting to, and they will, turn green. Amen? And old brother Greg will walk out to the shed. And boy, I'll mow once or twice, and it'll feel so good. I'll even run down to church probably and mow once. It'll feel so good. Early in the spring, smell of grass, wild onions. Look at that green, thick grass. What a great time to be alive. And about two or three mows later, uh, trustees, uh, we got somebody to mow. My hip spotted me a little bit. I'll come up with an ailment, okay? It's not as fascinating. It got old. I got tired. There's not joy. I don't look back and and see uh, the job that's been done. Folks, listen to me. Sometimes in the Christian life, we can be so excited and pumped up, and then all of a sudden, where's the joy? Maybe the pain has just clouded it and, and, and made it fade where I can't even sense the last time I felt the Holy Spirit moving. And to tell you the truth, I don't feel like I've grown. I mean, listen to me. If you're in the same place you were when you got saved, something's wrong. But when you start experiencing God speaking to you and giving you, hey, you know what, I've never thought of that before, and and you find yourself wanting to get into the Word of God, and you recognize that prayer is a crucial part of your Christian life, I'm telling you, new growth is good for anybody. Amen? Amen. I, that's what's so good about new Christians in the life of the church. A new Christian just don't know any better. They'll say anything. They don't know any better. I remember when I got saved, man, I wanted to be back to revival the next night. I wanted to get in church. I, w- I wanted a new Bible. I, w- I wanted to read the word of God. I wanted one I could mark up myself. What would your life look like if you began to grow? Every head bowed, every eye closed.